Today is Thursday, May 14th, 2020. On this day in 1610, King Henry IV of France was assassinated. His killer, Francois Ravaillac, insisted he acted alone. But did he? Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the assassination of King Henry IV of France by Catholic fanatic Francois Ravaillac. Let's go back to Paris on May 14, 1610, in the late afternoon. King Henry jostled in his seat as the royal carriage exited the Louvre Palace. So far, his reign had been as bumpy as his ride over the cobblestone streets. He'd come to power during the French wars of religion between the Huguenot Protestants and Roman Catholics. Born a Protestant himself, he was only able to take the throne by converting to Catholicism. And though Henry had tried to mend the religious divide plaguing his country, his efforts had done little to ease the tensions. Everything he tried only created more enemies. The Protestants didn't like that he converted to Catholicism. The Catholics didn't like that he gave Protestants religious freedom. The civil unrest led to multiple assassination attempts. After being crowned in 1589, some accounts suggest there'd been over 20 attacks on his life. But on May 14, 1610, he didn't seem too concerned about security. He rode in an open carriage with a few of his ministers, protected only by a small contingent of guards. He wasn't going far, just to visit a trusted advisor a few houses over, but he should have been more cautious. Before it could reach its destination, Henry's carriage was blocked by two carts stuck in the road. The king's guards departed Henry's side to remove the blockage. When they did, a man named Francois Ravaillac emerged from the gathered throng, knife in hand. With the guards occupied with the carts, Ravaillac faced no resistance as he approached the king's carriage. He walked straight up to Henry and stabbed him twice. The attack severed the king's aorta. He died moments later. Although they weren't fast enough to stop the attack, the ministers riding in the royal carriage managed to detain Ravaillac. He was arrested before the gathered crowd took matters into their own hands. It was too late to save King Henry's life, but it wasn't too late to ensure his murderer saw proper justice. Following Henry's death, his wife, Marie de Medici, was thrust into the spotlight. Though she and Henry had been married since 1600, she had only been crowned the day before her husband's murder. In fact, the streets were so packed the day of Henry's assassination because of lingering crowds from the coronation. Although Henry and Marie's son, Louis, became king upon his father's death, he was too young to rule on his own. 
As regent, Marie was responsible for running the kingdom, and her first order of business was the investigation into her husband's killer. Over the next 13 days, Ravaillac was mercilessly tortured. Queen Marie's inquisitors learned that the devout Catholic had tried to join a religious order, but was rejected. Apparently, he suffered from hallucinations that made him believe he was receiving divine visions. In the days before the assassination, Ravaillac became convinced that King Henry was preparing to go to war with the Pope. And so he decided to take matters into his own hands. Despite the carts that had blocked the royal carriage's path, Ravaillac insisted that he had worked alone. No amount of torture could get him to change his story. Wanting to put the matter to rest, Queen Marie sentenced him to death. On May 26, 1610, Ravaillac was executed. Standing before the massive crowd that came to witness his sentence, his story suddenly changed. He said, I was deceived when they persuaded me that my deed would be well received by the people. But there would be no reprieve, no last-minute stay of execution to find out who these mysterious co-conspirators might be. Ravaillac's death was brutal beyond measure. He was burned with hot sulfur, melted lead, boiling water, and steaming resin. Then he was drawn and quartered. It took over an hour and a half to kill him. With that, the matter was put to rest. But perhaps the true architects behind King Henry's demise still lurked in the shadows. Coming up, we'll explore theories on who Ravaillac's allies might have been. Now, back to the story. King Henry IV was tragically executed on May 14, 1610, by a fanatic. Although Henry's reign had been tumultuous, he created a strong foundation that allowed his Bourbon dynasty to rule for hundreds of years. But long after Henry's assassination, his death still captured the imagination of the French people. In 1830, author Honoré de Balzac speculated that Henry's wife, Marie de Medici, might have orchestrated Ravaillac's actions. Marie had been crowned the day before Henry's death, so she could serve as regent while he was at war in Germany but perhaps she didn't want to have to cede power upon his return. As a devout Catholic, Marie wouldn't have agreed with her husband's decision to support the Protestant German ruler in the upcoming conflict. Henry had started planning his German campaign several months before his death. It would have given Marie plenty of time to recruit Francois Ravaillac and plan the assassination. And she may have had another ally in the plot, Henry's advisor, the Duke of Epernon. Like Queen Marie, Epernon was a devout Catholic. Initially, he had resisted proclaiming his loyalty to the late King Henry due to his Protestant leanings. But Epernon's ambition superseded his faith, and he ultimately pledged himself to the French monarch. However, he may have only been waiting for his chance to strike. A direct line can be drawn between Epernon and Francois Ravaillac. At some point, the assassin received a payment from Epernon's mistress. 
And after Ravaillac was arrested, he spent a full day in the Duke's custody. It's certainly conceivable that Epernon convinced Ravaillac not to rat out his co-conspirators. There's also evidence that Epernon and Queen Marie were working together. In the hours after King Henry's murder, Epernon helped ensure that young Louis was pronounced king and that Marie served as his regent. The two were closely connected by their faith. It's entirely possible they were also connected by regicide. Queen Marie's lack of interest in digging deeper into the assassination after Ravaillac's last words also raises a red flag. He had all but admitted that others were involved in the plot, but she took no meaningful action to investigate any further. She was too busy reversing her late husband's policies. Instead of supporting the German Protestant leader Henry had been backing, Marie sought an alliance with Catholic Spain. Only a year after Henry's death, Marie accomplished her goal by betrothing King Louis to a Spanish princess. Thanks to Marie's efforts, France remained staunchly Catholic, but she had to pay a heavy price to do so. After all, St. Peter probably wouldn't allow a woman who engineered her husband's murder into heaven. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories on the murders of famous figures, check out the ParCast original, Assassinations. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Benedon, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 